The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Stockhead Rock Yarn. I'm your host, Peter Strachan. Today we're looking at the world of lithium and to help us through this, we are delighted to welcome Juan Pablo Vargas de la Vega and Juan Pablo, or JP to his friends, uh, is the Managing Director of Galen Lithium who have a project in Argentina. Welcome to the podcast, Juan Pablo. Thanks, uh, Peter. No, great to be here. So, uh, JP... You've had a, uh, a fairly short history with this company, and it's basically yours. You put it together. Perhaps you'd just like to uh, tell the listener how you've come uh, from your background in finance and into the world of uh, of lithium. Absolutely. Um, well, if I rewind time uh, about a, bit, a little bit more than three years ago, I was at in Argentina. Um, on a side visit as, a, as an analyst and I came across the opportunity of Ombro Marto uh, through one of my contacts. And um, interestingly enough, we drove by uh, Ombro Marto. Um, I have the first picture of Ombro Marto in my office, by the way, so it's a fantastic um, panoramic picture. Um, I identified that there, there was a ground uh, that was owned by private people. They were owned by companies on the edges of the salt flat of Ombre Marto. So um, realizing that uh, this opportunity meant that I needed to consolidate all this grant to have a, um, a project, uh, hence a company, I um, yeah, I got um, very uh, rushed into trying to get some funding and as soon as I came back to, to Australia to try to make it all work. So for a whole month, um, you know, I tried knock on doors, talk to shells. Um, I did everything possible trying to fund my idea. Um, the problem is um, at the time, no one was grasping my idea and no one wanted to put money on what I wanted to do, except my friends. But um, I didn't want to pass all the burden to my friends to get money onto the company. I said, look guys, um, I'm gonna go and do this myself. So I look at my bank account, um, I called one of my mates to see if he wanted to buy my, my old car, and he bought it. And um, and then, yeah, uh, on a Monday, I called my boss, and uh, then, yeah, so I'm, um, I'm resigning. By Sunday, I was in Argentina, and I was talking to people in Catamarca and negotiating all these tenements one by one. That took me around six weeks to get it all done, put into a PTY Limited that was called Blue Sky Lithium. And, and thereafter, um, I, yeah, I did a, a cap raise with contracts in hand. And then I did a backdoor listed through uh, Dempsey Minerals. Dempsey, Dempsey Minerals then got rebranded into Gallant Lithium. So all of this in a very short period of time. So from identifying this opportunity in September, we had a deal signed with Dempsey in February. This is February 2018. Um, we finalized the transaction in May 2018, and then we branded Galan in a, a few months later. Since then, we um, we rushed into doing um, a lot of um, basic geology, which is like um, soil sampling, uh, mapping, 
then we did geophysics. We applied for drilling permits, and then we sink. Uh, we sank our first drill hole in in late January 2019. So since then, uh, it's been a bit of a bumpy ride with highs and lows. But um, this for me is a marathon. So my goal is to get this project over the line, and and luckily we've been able to demonstrate that we have lithium and not just a small amount of lithium. So, uh, JP, you're in a pretty good um, uh, area there, a a permit where up in Argentina, some of your neighbours include Galaxy with their Sal de Vida project, which is, uh, you know, going through the feasibility stage as well. So it's a a good neighbourhood for lithium. Uh, Absolutely. The Hombre Muerto is um, the hot basin in in Argentina. Um, Just for the WA listeners, uh, if they are familiar with iron ore, it's like, imagine, Peter, if I come to you and say, um, I have this paleo channel that goes off Manuel back in Newman. You know, it's the same sort of idea or the same sort of thesis. So what I've done is I have proven that I, I have a paleo channel um, at uh, Manuel back. That's what we did with Candelas. Then the Ombre Muerto West project is, um, is equivalent to say, you know, I think that Manuel back um, doesn't end right where it seems that it's end. It's undercover. So um, I went there and I did some more geophysics, drilled some holes, and proving that the 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 cover that is at Manuelback um, extends uh, up to two kilometers, for instance, at Patapila. Yeah. So and extends quite uh, quite a depth. So we have today uh, one point close to one point four million tons of um, resource. Under well, resource estimate under the indicated category for the Jog 2012 lithium carbonate equivalent resource, correct 1.4 yeah. million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent. So that's a fantastic number for us. Um, if let me put this in another context, if you assume that a com- potential conversion of this resource into reserves by 50 percent, then you have around 700,000 tons of lithium carbon equivalent into reserves. If you apply what Livent, which is our neighbors, and I'll get into more details in a second on that, uh, Livent's production is around 20,000 tons of lithium carbon equivalent a year. We will have, using that metrics, we will have 35 years of potential production at our project, which is longer than the 27 years that Livent has been operated since day one. Mm. So we got something interesting here. So, JP, um, how thick how thick is the cover? I mean, I guess it sort of varies from, you know, one or two meters. How, how what at the furthest from the center of the cellar? How how thick is that more recent sediments? At the very very end, which is two k inland, we estimate that that cover should be around sixty to seventy meters. Yep. So it's not much. So, and this is a very, very very simple way of um, operating. Um, once you go into production, we are uh, studying to to utilize ponds, and the pond system um, of what we identify is that we have enough ground in our tenements to lay ponds throughout our um, yeah throughout Ombre Muerto West without having to go into ask for permission to a third party for easement. Yep. So this is very important because um, our, our our ground is, is large enough for that and we can, um, yeah, it, it's 
it it's better to have all yourself than asking for permission to someone else and, and then then it's out of your hands so that's none of that is applicable to what we have so jp the the brine that's in these halite um sediments these salty sediments underneath your permits does that flow to the surface naturally or will you pump it out uh, into the into your uh, evaporation ponds we have to pump it out so the way it works is um you put production wells um, the production wells are, could be any diameter between 16 inches to 12 inches and then you have to keep drilling and this is like a telescope imagine a, um, a telescope you expand and that's it's got the same sort of shape you know a wider at the top and it start narrowing as it goes deeper and then you put a, um, a pump right at the bottom and that it start pumping the flows from the from the soil flat and we have identified that our system is quite deep and uh, so this is you know um, keep us very optimistic about the prospect uh, for having a um, um, you know that our project is is going to be viable. Yeah, and have you done uh, flow tests yet on that uh, on those uh, brines? We have done flow tests at the um, exploration level, but uh, we have to in our next step, which into our feasibility study, we need to do this um, uh, flow test. But we need to do this um, drilling that I was mentioning before. So those. Sure. Um, those wells will be a production wells in the end, so there's not waste in terms of um, yeah, they, they will be part of the production uh, capex, so you don't don't lose that money. Yeah. So, is there any um, replenishment of those uh, brines? You know, do you pump the the waste solution back down into the the cellar, or or is there enough uh, natural replacement of uh, fluids coming from the surrounding mountains? There is um, uh, enough um, replenishment for what we want to do. So if you go about what live, which is the only um, operation in the in the area to date, and 27 years later, from our understanding, there is the level of um, brine that has been taken after 27 years is marginal. Yeah. That's our understanding so far. Um, and the, why is this? Is because the basin is massive. Um, if I can give you an idea, it's around 45, 40 to 45k long, but 40 to 45k in width. So it's a big, big pond. So we ended per CBD. Um, and uh, if you're familiar with distances, this is, you can go to Fremantle and back and and still have spare uh, <laughs> yeah, kilometers spare. to keep traveling. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's, it's, it's a fair way. It's it's like from the escarpment to yeah. you can go from the city to Rottnest. Ah, correct. Yeah, but that's a good example. Yeah, no, fantastic. So because uh, it's twenty k's to Rottnest plus and yeah, so it's it's mm. even more than going because uh, it's around seventeen eighteen k's to <laughs> to yeah. Fremantle plus twenty. So there's still you go. Um, yeah, uh, it's just to give a magnitude of uh, how big this is. So and also we have demonstrated that this basin is quite deep. Something that it was into it was mentioned early on in studies, but we are the first one that actually physically has sunk um, drill holes to that sort of depth and confirmed where the basement is. So this is um, no, it is big. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, volume of salt 
sitting underneath your your permit. So, what's the the sort of tenor of the the uh, the resource there with respect to lithium, and does it have uh, potassium as well as potentially a byproduct? Yeah, it does. It does. We um, actually, I was looking at the potassium uh, levels in in WA, and we come on top of most of them. Um, our um, grades are around 8,500 milligrams per liter at Ombre Muerto West for potassium. So that is a few thousand milligrams per liter higher than some of the uh, prospects here. Um, we are at a first pass of a study, which is our scoping study, PEA. Uh, we're not focusing on potassium today because we are want to understand lithium better. But uh, as part of the next step, we're definitely going to get a better understanding of how can we extract potassium uh, from lithium, from these brines. Um, but it's a big differential in terms of price. So, um, um, it makes more sense now that the price of lithium is lower, but once the price of lithium recovers, then the byproduct as per such, the percentage of your revenue, it becomes really small. So it's, we have to do the trade-off study. Uh, it's something that we definitely are not ignoring, but um, we'll we'll move forward and once we understand the lithium process better. And you, your uh, your brine is quite pure. There's not a lot of harmful impurities there, which might cause difficulty in the processing. And that's correct. We we have high well. We why ombre muerto is so important in in the lithium space. Uh, and just a little walk into memory lane. The Living Corporation has been operating in the salt flat of Ombre Muerto for 20 plus years. The lithium revolution started uh, with the Sony Handicam, the first lithium ion batteries. They came um, from Ombre Muerto. So Ombre Muerto has proven for a long time that lithium from uh, brines can be converted into batteries and, and, and batteries that are very high grade. Uh, batteries and also technically very um, competent in terms of, in terms of quality. Uh, recently, uh, all the production for, or most of all the production from Ombre Muerto has been sold uh, for a number of years to Panasonic, and uh, Panasonic is the one that makes the batteries for, for Tesla. Yeah. So when you know Tesla, the association with quality comes first. So. Um, when you hear some other companies saying that, you know, brand is not pure, you have problems, you cannot get to hydroxide. Hydroxide is what's required for the, um, for the high-end batteries. Um, that's not necessarily true because the, quietly, Ombre Muerto has been putting um, most of its production into the Tesla's battery that you see running around um, for a long time now. So, uh, and going back to your comment, high-grade, low-impurities, we do have the setting and and uh, alignment, um 30 plus years ago when they were doing a study and where to start the operations, there was not lithium revolution and they could pick the best salt flat in Argentina and they took Ombre Muerto for that reason. Fast forward uh, to last year, March last year, Bosco paid $280 million for 2.5 million tons of lithium carbon equivalent uh, from Galaxy. So that's the northern part of Saldavida. Just as a reference, we have close to 2.1 million tons of resource uh, already quantified from the same system. So that puts a, a really interesting number. Um, I'm not implying that we're worth that, that number, but um, you know, when the market turns, we're definitely going to be re-rated. And 
And what is important to have high grade and low impurities is because um, you have low operating cost. And um, the less impurity you have, the, the cheaper it is to operate and the less complexity is to, to clean your brine into the next process. So do you, do you, do you plan to take the, uh, the product right through to the lithium hydroxide or will you be selling a carbonate pro- product? Well, we're going to, on a step-by-step, Peter, um, we, um, the first step that I, and we're actually doing is to prove that our concentrate, which is the front end of the, of the, uh, the study, the concentrate can yield high, high uh, concentrate levels of lithium in the concentrate. Um, high level of concentrate means that we, it gives more flexibility going into the processing plant. Sure. And when you have high level concentrate, your carbonate plant becomes smaller because your volumes to be treated as small as well. So we would like to have less complexity if we can. Uh, our first start part of the study is to take uh, our product into carbonate. Uh, lithium hydroxide is a next level of complexity. Uh, as a small company, we're not thinking that way yet because um, uh, lithium brine is more of a chemical exercise. So lithium in general is a, it's a chemical exercise. Yeah. Um, and so we want to get the chemistry right. We want to get um, this on a step-by-step. Step. So the maximum level of, um, uh, uh, of processing that we're doing at this stage is just to take the um, take the brine into concentrate. Yes, it's, a, it's very much a chemistry set. Correct. Is your scoping study uh, looking at a range of uh, potential product sizes, you know, tonnage producing, you know, 10,000, 20,000? What sort of size would you... I mean, clearly, it's a big system. You could uh, you could go to a, a fairly large uh, output. Well, we um, we're looking at, at different avenues. Um, as we advance in, in the scoping study, uh, we have identified a few ideas. We're going to be testing at the prefeasibility level. So, um, with the, imagine we have a base case now, and yep. from that base case, we're going to start flexing a few of the uh, assumptions. And then we're going to be able to make a call as which way we're going to go in the prefeasibility study that is they're going to be tested. What sort of costs are achieved by your neighbours in the area in terms of you know dollars per ton of of uh, carbonate or hydroxide uh, delivered? Well, the if you look at uh, real data, that's Liven, our neighbours, and they are around thirty five hundred dollars a ton. So if you look at at Galaxy studies, they don't deviate too much from that. Mm. Is that for hydroxide? No, that's for carbonate equivalent. Carbonate, okay, yeah. And so the carbonate currently about $6,700, $7,000 US a tonne. Uh, it's really trading at a, about a third of the price it was uh, three years ago. Uh, and really, uh, you know, from what I'm seeing, the market is uh, about to, to have to absorb a lot more demand because all of these electric vehicles that will be on the market in 2022 and 23 and beyond. Yeah, looking forward um, into where the lithium is going, it's, um, it's it's fantastic. You know, I remember mentioning at uh, after Tesla Day is that the 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 target set by Tesla to 2030, that was the target of the assumption of the global production uh, at that year. Now Tesla said that they're going to do that by themselves. You have to add the rest of the world to that. So yeah. we all going to be really busy. The BMW, the Mercedes, and all the others, Toyota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Add Europe, add the US, add Japan, add China, add 
everyone else, uh, including the cats and dogs, <laughs> everyone, you know, just yeah. we're all going to be busy trying to get lithium um, out of the ground. And it's a chemical exercise. So we, it's, it takes a little while to get it right. Um, and we are against, against the time. So that's why I'm pushing things um, as quick as I can. My motto uh, is to take Galan to production as soon as we can as well. So those those are there. Yeah. So JP, just quickly with a, your timeline there, you, you you say your scoping study, you're aiming to get that out middle of next year, and then that you'd go into a pre-feasibility and then a feasibility study you know, through 21, 22. Uh, it's a bit closer than that. Um, our scoping study is currently being um Performed by Wally, and that they're doing that. The Wally's studying Chile, and we we have we expect to have the the results by late next uh, next late November or early December, the latest. Okay. Um, as soon after that, we're going to digest the data, and we'll commence a new year with a feasibility study. Uh, we expect you know two quarters of pre-feasibility, and then a year of feasibility. So. By mid or second, the second half of 2022, um, or probably Q3 2022, we should be finalizing our feasibility study. Yeah, if Fantastic. we keep moving in this track, and and that that really fits in nicely with what we're thinking about the uh, the market for lithium going forward. Anyway, that's you wouldn't want to be in production at the current price of lithium. At you know. Wait until the price gets back up to eight or nine dollars. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so JP, that's been very educational, and I think the uh, the listener now will have a very good idea of what to expect from the company with the uh, results from the uh, scoping study coming out later this year, and then the the activity that goes with the uh, the pre feasibility the pre feasibility and the feasibility studies uh, in and subsequent years. So. Uh, thank you for coming in to Stockhead today and we will look forward to catching up with you once that uh, scoping study has been delivered. Well, we look forward to that and as soon as we have results, uh, we'd like to um, explain all uh, little details and what it means um, compared to our neighbours and compared to the industry. And that'll be a fantastic opportunity to tell the audience uh, what we're about. So thanks very much for the intro and uh, yeah, appreciate the time and um, yeah, um, look forward to talking to you again. Yeah.